all have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey. You've come to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now, here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. And today we're going to talk about the swinging lifestyle and how racism and discrimination can impact folks within our lifestyle and in our world. Joining me today is Mr. Mocha, the co-producer and co-host of O Faces, an incredible lifestyle podcast that's now available on STC, so go and listen to that if you haven't already. And we'll give you more links later as to where you can listen to that and get to know a little bit more about Mr. and Mrs. Mocha. Now, before we start with Mr. Mocha, I just want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you can also access the world's largest lifestyle dating platform. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. So get ready to fearlessly and shamelessly embrace your lectuality with Mr. Mocha and I. Let me tell you a little bit more about my special guest today. Mr. Mocha and Mrs. Mocha are a veteran swinger couple, party promoters, and lifestyle podcast hosts of O-Faces. So like we said before, I will give you all those links later so you can listen because it is a really great podcast, real, authentic, and what I find most interesting about it is that it's really informational for folks who are new to the lifestyle. We're going to talk a little bit about that after. Listen and be immersed in the unfiltered sexcapades, sexplorations, and kinks that touch on everything the lifestyle has to offer. I love that. I'm so in. Welcome to my show, Mr. Mocha. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So am I. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about today. And uh, just to preface this with the fact that we've had a great conversation prior to this podcast that, you know, was actually a podcast in and of itself, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we might have to do like a follow-up to this at some point, but this is a really good way to kind of introduce you and also to talk about the great work that you and Mrs. Mocha have done helping inform folks in the lifestyle about, you know, what it's really like. The real experience, not the bullshit experience that we see when, when people think what swinging is all about. You guys do a really great job of uncovering the reality of what it's like to be a swinger. So I really appreciate that personally. I know the folks on SDC also appreciate that. And I'm really curious about what inspired you and Mrs. Mocha to actually go out and decide to produce a podcast of your own. Well, um, it started just from being in a lifestyle for a while and we've met so many friends and we've met so many people who are new to the lifestyle. And over time, people would confide in us and ask us questions and we'd find ourselves kind of walking people through new lifestyle experiences or speaking to people about what the lifestyle is. We do a lot of myth busting and things like that. So you know, a few years back, we said, we should do a podcast, you know, we should really do something. And once we finally had time to do it, we said, all right, we're going to do it. And we're going to make sure that we kind of go from A to Z so that just like anything else, if you don't know what it is, you have these preconceptions and usually they're wrong. 
<laughs> Usually they're wrong. So we figure we, <laughs> we, we kind of just go into it and tell people from our vantage point and from our personal experiences. So are you, do you mean to tell me that swingers aren't, you know, swinging from the chandeliers and having giant orgies every single night? That's not, that can't possibly be, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that is definitely one of the biggest misconceptions, you know, oh my God, I can't do that. Uh, you probably could. Yeah. And I, one thing I think that is really interesting when it comes to people who are just starting to understand what the lifestyle is all about, it could be anything you want, right? It depends yes. on what you want to make it. And I yeah. think that's great because when you and uh, Mrs. Mocha talk about that on your podcast, also, you make it very clear that there's not just one right way to do things. And I think mm -hmm. that is super important. It's a great message. Yes. Yes. That is the thing that we tell all new people with you and your partner you make your rules. And as you develop your rules, this is your fantasy. Anyone who you allow into it are joining your fantasy. So in a perfect situation, the people who are going to join your fantasy, their fantasies align with yours. And that way you understand that you don't swing based upon the way we swing. You swing based upon how you swing and then it evolves for you. And eventually you may be where we are because, you know, me, <laughs> Mrs. Mocha and I are pretty wild, you know, and people go, oh my God, you guys do all these things. And, you know, we've told people, you know, we, we had a starting point. <laughs> we did start somewhere and we wound up here, even though we did kind of jump right in. We didn't, we didn't get to the point we are overnight. We've been doing it for over a decade. So. Right. And it takes time and it takes practice and it takes communication to get to that point. And, you know, when it comes to the lifestyle, there's so many different aspects of it. And, you know, when you are talking about your podcast and when you're talking on your podcast, what are the kinds of topics that you think are most important, especially for newbies to, to you know, talk about, uh, to learn about, to hear about from uh, folks who are, I guess, <laughs> I guess, veterans in the lifestyle, very experienced in the lifestyle. Yeah. Like yourselves, like myself. Yes. So to a degree, we, not, a, not quite, not quite to where you and Mrs. Mocha are at, but I, you know, uh, a girl can dream. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, uh, it's communication, 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 communication. Well, excuse me. First there's trust, then there's communication mm. and they, they, they go back and forth. Uh, the biggest challenge that we found with the newer couples is the lack of communication, not saying what they really want, not saying that they don't know what they want. So it's communication between themselves and then communication when they decide to meet other people. Yes. So the communication, that's a thing. Even now, Mrs. Mocha and I are very big on communication. We always talk. If there's something new that we want to do, if there's something that, something that one of us didn't like, we are very quick to say, I didn't like that. I'd rather do it this way, or can we try this? And that way, we're always on the same page. So that's, that'll be the theme throughout all of our, our episodes. I love that. That's, I talk about communication all the time. I, I communicate about communicating all yes. the time. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's yeah. necessary. And if you're in a monogamous relationship or any other kind of relationship that you can't communicate with your partner, then you should not open up your relationship because oh. oof, that's, a, that's a disaster waiting to happen right there. <laughs> yes. 
And that the, the crazy thing is we find that we always have people come to us and talk to us about things. Oh, we've had this challenge. We've had that challenge. And usually it just comes down to the lack of communication. Mm. In the lifestyle, I really believe, and the communication, like I said, it's not just between you and your partner. It's with whoever you bring in. So you hear us talk about rules all the time. What are your rules? And for me, I communicate my rules to anyone who we play with or anyone we deal with so that we can make sure first we're compatible. And by making sure we're compatible, we don't get into a situation where we're like, oh my God, you know, because (laughs) we've been in those situations where, you know, you you get into a situation with somebody and they go, oh, well, we don't really know what our rules are. Okay, well, (laughs) let's discuss those. (laughs) Let's give, we're going to give you a chance to, to decide what your rules are, you know, because from my standpoint, tell me what you're okay with and what you're not okay with, because I'm going to do everything else. (laughs) 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 Whatever I'm allowed to do, I'm probably going to do so you know, let us know. And and that way, you know, you can keep it fun. You know, there's no difference between, the only difference between a non-monogamous relationship and a monogamous relationship is that you're sharing. Mm -hmm. Besides that, all the things that create a good relationship between a couple are the exact same qualities that you'll need in a non-monogamous relationship, but you just have more people to be honest with and more people to communicate with. (laughs) And that's hard too, because, you know, you mentioned before, uh, briefly, you know, chemistry. Was that now or in our previous conversation? Our previous conversation. Okay. I'm starting to mix it all together, but chemistry is important. And when you're talking about more than two people, then you're talking about chemistry with a group of people. So... Yeah, it's it's not always easy and communication styles could be different and their comfort or experience levels could be different. So communicating about boundaries and talking about what's on the no list, what's on, you know, what are the things that you are, you know, hard nose, things that you don't want to explore. Everyone has those boundaries, whatever they are, yes. you know, even if they're pretty far and pushed uh, yes. pretty, yes. pretty, you know, um, yeah. the uh, XXX anything goes kind, that's kind of me, but I still have some boundaries in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's super important to talk about and before you enter into the, you know, sexual situation. So that way everything's sorted out and you could just have fun. It's not the whole, the whole point. It's to have yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, it's any game. If you, if you start playing baseball and someone tackles you, you're going, whoa, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you didn't explain the rules, <laughs> I, I've never played the game before. So it's, it's the same way, you know, be, before you engage in any game, you want to know what are the rules? How do I play this game? And then that way, everyone, once again, being on the same page is everything and not getting tackled <laughs> while playing pool or playing baseball, you know, <laughs> because that's what it feels like Yeah. if you're in a situation. And once again, you know, we've, a lot of the things that we talk about, we've learned firsthand, you know, like you're in a situation where you're, when you're new and you just kind of jump in there and you're playing with someone and they do something that is definitely on your no list. (laughs) Hey, hey, don't put your finger there. That's not what I do. You know, (laughs) flag on the play. Hold on. (laughs) Time out a second, you know, and then you learn next time, Hey, we don't do this. (laughs) So. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, beyond the the fun and games, what is your favorite part about being in a lifestyle? I think for for me, it's the connection with people who are open-minded. How do you feel about it? I think it's the freedom. Mm, Yeah. Okay, wait, I think I'm changing my answer now. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) It's freeing in a completely different way. Number one, I think that we're part of a very, very small community and we get to live a life that everyone dreams of living. 
but whether they're not confident enough to live it or society tells them they can't live it, they don't have the freedom we have. And I love how freeing it is to be amongst a group of people who I don't have to hide how sexual I am. I can literally talk to them about anything. We can talk about, there's no no zone in the lifestyle, in my opinion, because if, you know, if you can have sex with my wife, (laughs) (laughs) what can't we talk about? (laughs) You know, like where, where our boundaries at? So I like the freedom of it. Oh, I love that. I I think as a woman, it's very different because while, you know, in mainstream society, I'll be slut shamed for the stuff that I do Mm. in the lifestyle. I'm celebrated and empowered to be a very, you know, the sexual being that I am and to explore it however I want with whomever I want. Um, Mm -hmm. And the level of judgment is a lot lower. Right. So for me that, yeah, you're right. That freedom that to do that is incredible to just, you know, to know that it's okay, that my partner is fine with it. And and we're on the same page and we're going home together. We're still, we still love each other. And, yes. you know, we get to each do whatever the fuck we want. It's, that's really different, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. what you think when you, when you, you hear from monogamists who are saying, oh, well, one dick for the rest of my life. It's like, oh, that's not no. how it has to be. <laughs> really? That's not going to work. You know, I, I know from Mrs. Mocha that definitely, <laughs> it, with, with her, what, What's really awesome is when I met her, I can tell that she was very, very sexual, mm-hmm. but being very, very conscious of what her parents thought, what coworkers thought, what other people thought, she was like this sexual being ready to explode and giving her the option to understand that, like you said, there's no slut shaming. Yeah. Um, if you feel this way, why should we restrict our natural desires? Because think about it. If you were born on an island and you've never met another human being, the three things that you're going to die, desire is going to be food, water, and at some point, sex. Those things are the most natural thing for any living being. And so, therefore, you have to think, I'm not shamed for wanting to eat. Why should I be shamed for wanting to have sex? And if, in my opinion, if I was designed to only have sex with one partner, I would only have a desire to have sex with one partner. But how many of us are okay with eating eating the exact same thing every single day of our life? Your favorite meal, you don't have a desire to eat that same thing every single day. Now, when it comes to what's natural, you don't have a desire to eat glass. You don't have a desire to (laughs) eat, eat rocks, but you have a desire to eat multiple foods. So if it was unnatural to desire sex with multiple partners, I personally don't think that we would have that desire. But we do. Look at how many people cheat. Hmm. You know, so therefore, I enjoy the freedom. I don't think I have ever heard it um, heard it better than what you just said as far as, you know, you don't get shame for wanting to eat food or, you know, wanting specific foods. So why, why are we shamed for the natural sexual impulses that we have that, you know, as humans, it's just like a normal thing. And, you know, cheating, a lot of folks who think, you know, non-monogamy, uh, consensual, sorry, let me add that in there, yes. ethical and consensual non-monogamy uh, is there, you know, there's, it's like cheating. It's not. And although there are possibilities to break boundaries and kind of push the, the boundaries and do things that maybe your partner is not okay with, and then you, you can discuss and renegotiate, shit happens like in any relationship. 
But consensual non-monogamy is not cheating because everyone knows what the hell is going on. But yes, we have these impulses within us that are just, they're natural. If you think of how a lot of folks think that it's only men who crave multiple partners. <laughs> oh my God, that is so inaccurate. But, you know, people say men cheat, women cheat too. And it is not natural for us to, you know, repress those urges. Maybe there are different ways you can get it out. When you were saying, you know, eating one food every day, I like to think of it too is, you know, would, if you're stuck with one vibrator for your entire life <laughs> and it only does one thing, you're going to get bored and your body is going to need some kind of novelty and other stimulation, not just your body, but your brain too. You need to be stimulated in different ways. At least that's my personal opinion about it. So um, I definitely agree. So whenever I speak to guys at work, and it's, it's always funny to me when I listen to them, men and women alike, I've met so, so, so many people who cheat. Yeah. Okay. And if I tell someone who's told me that they've cheated, that I'm in a lifestyle, they look at me like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> seriously? <laughs> You're lying to your spouse and I'm open with my spouse. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's never been, you know, sex does not equal love. I mean, think about it. Most people before you got married, how many sexual partners have you had? Or before you were in a committed relationship, how many times have you had sex? And when I say it to guys, especially, you know, what women tend to be a little more shy about saying it until they get to know you. But guys look like, oh, dude, I've had sex with so many women and you weren't in love with them. So why do you have an issue with your wife having sex with another guy? Oh, that's my wife. So mm -hmm. I think that people confuse sex with intimacy. For me, the truest form of intimacy is to be able to allow my wife to have sex with someone else or her allow me to have sex with someone else. And we can talk about it and we can enjoy the experience through one another. I've always said that intimacy to me is my wife being able to tell me things that she, that the average woman can only tell her best friend, hmm. the closest friend, the one who knows that she's cheated on her husband, mm -hmm. you know? So with us, she doesn't have to do that because we have intimacy. Before me, you could have had sex with a thousand guys and not have intimacy. And now us being able to share everything is true intimacy. I would be more offended if my wife were to hold back on me and tell another guy all of her intimate desires or all of her, you know, deep, dark secrets. Now, to me, that would be a violation. You know, you can have sex with them all you want, but you share your heart and your private thoughts with me. So that's why I believe there's definitely a separation between sex and intimacy and society kind of puts those all in one bag, which makes no sense to me because... All of these people in society, or most of the people in society has had sex with multiple partners and only fallen in love with one or two, you know? So when you ask them, okay, well, what's the difference between the sex you have with everyone else? Oh, it's different. How? What quality makes a difference? Intimacy. Okay, so my wife and I are 10 times more intimate than you and your spouse because your wife still keeps secrets from you. No, she doesn't. Okay, how about this? You still keep secrets from your wife <laughs> because you're telling me that you want the lady down in office four to give you a blowjob, but I guarantee you won't say that to your wife. Mm -hmm. I will tell my wife that I met some lady at work that I was imagining getting head from under the desk and my wife will laugh, you know, and she can say the same thing. She goes to the gym and she's on the treadmill and she's texting me saying, Hey, there's some guys looking at my ass on the treadmill. And I'm saying, go do some squats, make them happier. 
that's intimacy, <laughs> you know, because we can share that. Usually, most people have to share that with someone other than their spouse. That is such a great way to put it. Oh my God, this is, I feel like we're of one mind, but you're expressing yourself so much better than I am. So this is great. I agree with that. The intimacy thing is, you know, you can have sex without intimacy. You could have intimacy without sex. They're not the same thing and they're not interchangeable. And, you know, I will say that too, you know, being in the lifestyle and I don't know that I specifically identify as a swinger per se. I think there's like a lot of gray areas. I'm not a huge fan of the labels, but I'm in the open zone, swinging to poly, who knows, somewhere mm-hmm. in between. But the fact is, is that my husband, my, my partner is my best friend. So we can talk about anything. And that intimacy is irreplaceable. I couldn't talk like that with my other partners because there is maybe a friendship there, but it's not the same level. And I think that's crucial. You know, the, especially at a time like this, when we're in the lifestyle, we like to have sex with other people. Now we can't physically touch other people without, you know, having this potential danger of, you know, getting the plague, let's say. Without your hazmat suit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, minus like the glory hole, like, which is maybe an option, you know, let's get creative about it. you know, so there there are options, but now we are left with, you know, okay, well, if we can't connect sexually with other people, I've spoken to some other swingers who are saying, well, the fact that they can't have sex right now with other people is also making, having an impact on their lives with their, uh, with their partners that they're living with because they don't feel as sexual. I've been hearing that from a, a good amount of people and I yes, get it. I, you know, I can, I can commiserate. I, I do feel the same way as well to a certain degree. So fostering that intimacy is still really important, even if you're not getting the sex that maybe you were getting before and you're not mm-hmm. getting the sex with the multiple partners. But that intimacy, that talking about it, that connection, um, that is definitely something that is, it's crucial to have. And it's definitely, I think, deeper when you are in an open relationship because you have to have that. In, sorry, let me be specific. A healthy open relationship. Yes, yes, yes. That is that is definitely the key phrase, healthy, open relationship. I definitely think that the lifestyle, once you've gotten past the experimental stage, I think the lifestyle turns into a sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you've been in it for a while and you've experienced a lifestyle, I think it becomes almost like a sexuality. It becomes part of you. So just like you know any type of sexual relationship heterosexual homosexual anything lifestyle you could have unhealthy relationships yes and so a healthy relationship because although i do believe that people in the lifestyle have healthier relationships than people who aren't in the lifestyle they're still human which yes. means you're still going to have the same challenges you're still going to have people who want to why? I mean, we've we've definitely counseled people before who ran into those issues where you have one partner who's not honest. And of course, to us, we just, it took a long time for us to wrap our heads around, like, why wouldn't you be honest when you have, but if it's not healthy and you don't have the communication and the trust, then like any relationship, you will run into the same challenges that, you know, a person who's monogamous would. So if you are, you know, transferring that kind of property that in that need to be open and honest, uh, that trust that you mentioned before that goes hand in hand with the communication that are that are super important when you're having a when you're in any healthy relationship, but also especially in an open relationship. What would you say to newbies who are 
just getting started. They maybe haven't even had their first experience, their first date yet, and are still trying to figure out what's going on and how to navigate this. Obviously, there's a lot of advice. but Yeah. So when we meet people who, like when we meet people, say, at the club, it's their first time there. And, you know, we, we speak to them. We kind of have a process that we recommend. Before you actually play or before you have your first experience, talk about where you see yourself in the lifestyle. Where, what's your end game? Secondly, the trust is important because oftentimes if there's a two-partner situation, their end games may, de- may be different. <laughs> you know, we've, we've spoken to people and we were having that conversation and they're like, oh yeah, we know what our end game is. And the husband's like, yeah, we... We want to have, you know, a, a threesome with a girl and the wife's like, oh, I want to get gangbanged one day. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> okay. This is why you're supposed to talk. Okay. You know, you know, because you have to be, you have to be working toward the same goal. Now, obviously in the beginning, the emotions, you, you have to deal with the emotions. You're going to be jealous. Jealousy is natural because you're stepping into, you're stepping out of a traditional, what is supposed to be correct, you know, relationship the heterosexual relationship that the world says you're supposed to be in. You're stepping out of that. The one man, one woman, one partner, you know, that's it to stepping into a world where it's a lifestyle which encompasses everything. Yeah. So everything that is outside of that normal cookie cutter relationship, it encompasses. So that means that there's so many roads you can travel now. You have to say, okay, where do we want to go? So once you've done that, I think the next step is to go home and fantasize about it together. Talk about it because in the beginning for that husband who wasn't expecting that his wife was going to want to be, you know, gang banged by 30 guys, <laughs> he's got to stomach that because it's, it's both ways. You'll, we've met many of couples, wife goes, he just wants to watch me have fun. And I'm looking in the husband's eyes and he's like, yeah, right. You know, but they have to be able to be honest with each other and go home and fantasize about it. In the beginning, when you first start talking about those things, you're going to have to stomach it. You know, you're going to have to learn to visualize it and be okay with what you visualize and be willing to discuss the jealousy and the emotions that come with it because it's natural. Um, We all have emotions. It's just how we manage them. After that, the next step is I always recommend watching porn together that shows your fantasies. Mm. And it's important before you go and try to do it to be able to be turned on by it while you're watching it, then from that point, I think you should move into fantasy during sex. Talking about it, because if you can't talk about it while you're doing it and both of you be aroused, it's going to be a lot harder to do it when you get into a real situation. And then after that, establish rules of engagement. Okay, what are our rules? And then the next thing is scenarios. What if we get there? And we were only planning on having dinner, but we're really enjoying this single lady or this couple or the single guy, and we want to take it to the next step. How do we know it's okay? And you just kind of work it from there because then you've gone through steps and processes. Ask lots of questions. Ask lots of questions. Because like anything else, you don't know what you don't know. Hmm. And one of the podcasts I, <laughs> I was saying when I first got on, when I first got on SDC years ago, <laughs> there was a, a, a thing that said water sports. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I was like, water sports, I love to swim. <laughs> I love jet skis. I love boats. Hell yeah, I'm in the water sports. Oh, <laughs> and then I found out that actually means somebody peeing on you. And I'm like, no, no, that is no water sports. You can take that <laughs> off. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> that's why we do lifestyle lingo on our podcast because we want people to understand there are a lot of terms and acronyms that you are just not familiar with and you want to know what they mean before you sign up to get peed on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I learned I learned before the P came, but like, it, it could have been d- disastrous had I said, yeah, I want water sports and I show up and there's no lake here. Oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm actually crying and laughing so hard right now. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for yeah. pointing that out because uh, SDC, we, uh, we just finished up a glossary of swingers terms um, yeah. and, and kink terms as well. So water sports is in there because, you know, we want to make sure that other folks don't also experience that kind of scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mocha asked me once, and it, this is, we were talking about that on the podcast. She was talking to this guy and I think I was either getting on the plane to go to Paris or Amsterdam, or I was, I was somewhere. And she sent me a message and said, the guy asked how I feel about golden showers. What do I say? And I just just say no, because she didn't know what a golden shower was. <laughs> I think she was thinking that she's going to be in the bathtub and somebody's going to be throwing like gold coins. Oh my so that's not the kind of gold you're going to get. So of course she, <clears throat> she replies no. And then when I get to where I can speak to her, I tell her what it is. She's like, Oh my God. And of course I was cracking up. I mean, she was laughing, but she's like, Oh, thank you so much for telling me that. So yeah. Oof, that's funny. We've definitely seen a lot and experienced a lot. <laughs> Well, it's good. It makes you extra qualified to podcast and talk to people about the lifestyle. So we were just talking about how to, I guess, penetrate the lifestyle. And um, yeah, I know. I love that word penetrate. I've been told it's not a sexy word, but I so disagree. I think it's a sexy word. I like the word, like the action more. Yes. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. But I digress. So speaking of the lifestyle and, you know, we're talking a little bit about the importance of communication and also the importance of, you know, trusting your partner. And, you know, when it comes down to a lot of things, especially, you know, now, and, you know, we, we we're going to get a little bit deeper into this, but tensions are higher in the lifestyle right now because people are openly talking about racism. And that's something that has never, to my knowledge, happened to this degree before. And, you know, it's given me some time to reflect a bit because I've had a lot of Black boyfriends and lovers, and I still do. For me, I've received backlash from both sides. Society seems to frown upon relationships that are interracial. I would love to know from you, if you're okay with talking about it, have you and Mrs. Mocha ever had that kind of backlash from folks because uh, you're a mixed race couple? I can honestly say in the lifestyle, we haven't experienced a lot of people saying things to our faces. We've probably only had one experience where it was just someone being a little, being disrespectful. Um, I, we were at uh, the club one night. This is when we were first getting, going to the, the uh, trapeze in Atlanta, uh, when we were first going. And obviously I'm a black male, Mrs. Mocha's a white female. And, you know, we were in and there were, a group of women and one of the ladies said, not really under her breath, you know, she made a comment about her being tired of white women taking their black men. And Mrs. Mocha is like literally the nicest person in the world and it takes a lot to get her upset. And, you know, she went to turn and say something and I kind of, you know, touched her arm and I just just looked at him and just gave him a look and we walked away. Fast forward probably about a year or so, we actually Believe it or not, we became friends with the lady or she befriended us 
Yes, it was it was really interesting. I think oftentimes what happened is, you know, people behave a certain way because they want a reaction. Uh, she didn't get a reaction. She also she were she was able to see that, you know, over time, you know, we were we were good people. And she didn't make any more comments after I threw a look at her, of course. But, you know, later on, we actually became friends. And, you know, if you remind her of that comment, she's extremely embarrassed by it, about it, which, you know, me personally, I don't have a problem reminding someone of, <laughs> <laughs> of poor behavior. But that is the only time we've had direct racism. One of our funniest lifestyle experiences is we were at the club. And I was on one side of the club and Mrs. Mocha was on the other side of the club. And she was in a dressing room with a couple from Alabama and they, we, we didn't know them. So the lady and her husband were standing there and the lady made a very, very racist comment about someone. And Mrs. Mocha, of course, you know, pretty offended, but you know, she didn't say anything. She walked away. So scene two, I'm in one area of the club. I'm going out of the door and a couple's coming in. I've got on no shirt. And I think a pair of boxers at, at the time. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the, the couple's walking in and we're, we're on a collision course. I moved to the left. She kind of blocks my path. I moved the other way and we kind of come face to face and she rubs my chest and we, we talk for a second and we laugh. And then, you know, I go my own separate way. I get to the other side of the club and Mrs. Mocha, oh my God, this lady just said the most racist shit. I'm going to go talk to the manager because we know the managers are well Really, I, I don't think they should be here. And I'm like, calm down. Even though it wasn't a good thing to say, people are people. I don't excuse that behavior. But she thought she was talking under her breath to her husband and she's here. And it's not like we're, obviously she's not going to want to play with me. Whoever the person is, she'll probably just find people who she finds attractive. So scene three, I'm on the other side of the club. I'm sitting and talking to a couple and Mrs. Mocha comes up and she's looking at me with this crazy look in her eyes, which... I know the crazy look. That means I need to go to the bathroom and talk to you. So I walk away from the couple and I tell them, hold on one second. This is my wife. I'm going to introduce you in a second, but I'll be right back. And the lady looks at Mrs. Mocha. She has this wild look in her eyes. So I go to the back with her and she goes, oh my God, that's the lady. That's the lady that said the word. And I've just been talking to these people for the last 20 minutes. So we go back over and the lady is looking like she's about to wet her pants. And the husband looks like he's so embarrassed because she said the husband kind of reprimanded the wife at the time for making a comment. So we wound up having a conversation with him. And long story short, we wound up playing with the couple. And afterwards, you know, we, she was just saying, you know, I've never, we've never done this before. We've never experienced this. And you could tell that she was trying to kind of make up for it. Now I say that to say this, at the end of the day, I do believe that people are going to be people, and I do believe that there are people out there who are racist. I don't think you can change racism or hate by being hateful. Obviously, if, if it were a situation where she had said something directly to me, you can tell based upon her behavior that it was something that was ingrained in her culture, something that she'd done or something that she'd known for her whole life. And when it comes to change, it takes time to change. Most people won't directly confront me with racism. I mean, probably the fact that I'm, you know, big 235 pound guy and, you know, it's, <laughs> people don't generally approach me a certain way, um, but it, I know it exists, you know, and we, we have had couples who, who've been standoffish 
but they didn't say anything. And those couples, like I would tell my wife, you know, they have that right to be standoffish as long as they're not disrespectful. So that's probably the, the extent of our experience. Wow. I mean, I've heard some some stories in the lifestyle that's definitely very surprising. I mean, you you knew that there was somebody who had made a, a comment, uh, you know, a racist comment, maybe not directly to you, but you guys still ended up playing and having, you know, connecting in that way. I'm just very surprised. And that's really a very interesting story. Most people are surprised by that story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people have conflicting thoughts about the way we went about it. I feel like it definitely changed their perception of of me as a person, and it changed their perception of the way they look at Black people. The bottom line is they come from a place and they don't see any. So the only thing they had to go off of is what they see on TV. And of course, we didn't just run back to the room and have sex. We actually wound up having a long conversation. We talked, we had drinks, and you could really see the wheels turning. You can see that, you know, it's just like I had a pit bull once that everybody thought was a terrible, mean dog until they got in the house and they played with him and realized he was actually not what they saw on TV. I'm not what you see on TV. All black people aren't what you see on TV. But if you've never seen us before and you've never spoken to us before, I can either open my mouth and prove what you believe to be, or I can open my mouth and show you that what you thought I was, I am not. Hmm. You know, don't get me wrong, you know, in the real world outside of lifestyle, I've definitely had confrontations with people over racism, which weren't as friendly, mm -hmm. but that was a different situation and different types of situations. But in this situation, if you have an opportunity to talk to somebody and let them see that you're not who they think you are, it's going to change your perception of Black people everywhere forever. So... Going back to, I guess, uh, a little while ago when you had said about a different topic, you don't know what you don't know, right? And also, you know, in terms of other people changing their perception of you, uh, you know, the way you chose to handle it, that's your decision. You're the person in the moment. You feel the connection. You feel if you could have gone at it any way you wanted. You did what was comfortable for you and whatever made sense for you in that moment with that particular couple. Now, mm -hmm. if it had been someone else, if they had approached it in a different way, maybe you would have approached it in a different way. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As far as other people, uh, you know, judging you for the way you chose to handle it, well, that's their fucking problem as far as yes, I'm concerned. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not usually concerned about... What other people uh, think. Pe <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> not me. That's not me. If you were, you probably wouldn't be in the lifestyle in general, I would say. No, I... I uh... If you cared about what other people thought? Uh, well, a lot, I think a lot of people, when it comes to things like that, when it comes to things like mm -hmm. that, that is a touchy subject because everyone believes that you should handle that type of situation the way that they believe you should. A lot of people think, oh my God, you actually talked to those people after they made that comment. Well, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I could have said something and been the aggressive person that they thought we were on TV, or I can show them that, you know, I have the ability to speak. I mean, intimidation is not a problem for me. I mean, like I said, I'm a 235 pound martial artist. So they got, but how does that help? What does that change besides not I make you say that thought about them were correct? Mm -hmm. You know, now, once again, you know, in a situation, had it been something, had they approached it differently or had, you know, they'd done something to attack my wife or even had they not said that knowing that someone was listening, because at the end of the day, I don't know many people who has not made an inappropriate comment about someone to someone they're close to. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it is now. Every once in a while, there's a chance that someone may have heard it, 
But if I hold every inappropriate thing that you've said about someone against you in privacy, then I would have to expect you to hold those things against me. And God knows I'm inappropriate in general. And some of the things that I've said in private, if I were judged by those things, then I'd have a lot of people who wouldn't talk to me or who wouldn't like me or who would think differently of me, just like everyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that was my thought on that. Wow. I mean, it's it's interesting, uh, you know, as I talk to more and more people about, you know, white people, black people about what's going on um, and, you know, their experiences in the lifestyle. And, you know, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, different things. So I'm hearing some, you know, some black folks uh, saying, yes, I've experienced this. This is what happened to the point where at times they had to let party organizers know that some somebody had said something really offensive or done something really offensive. And other folks saying, no, They've had no problem navigating through the lifestyle. They're enjoying the fuck out of it because that's, you know, what's going on. And it does come down also to people and Mm -hmm. scenarios, right? To hold people accountable for stuff they say in private and also to, you know, the fact that you are forgiving in the sense of, you know, people are people. People are going to say shit, do shit, and you, only you can choose how you're going to react to that. So yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I, I will say this you know, it does exist. Um, I I know I have a, I do have some really good friends and they've experienced it. They've experienced it. And, you know, I know that they've been in situations just because of where they are. And with us, we're fortunate enough that my wife's larger than life personality. And when we're out, we're very, very social. So for us, we don't get it as bad because, you know, we promote parties, we, we've hosted for SDC. So a lot of, so people won't necessarily be, most people won't behave that way with us because oftentimes we were hosting a party or we were throwing a party. So they respected our status. Now, everyone doesn't have the privilege that we have in the lifestyle, my wife and I, we have privilege in the lifestyle just because we know so many people. And so oftentimes we have enough people who support us that they would probably quail anything like that before it happened. If someone were to say something negative about us because of our race and because of that, there's probably 50 people who will say, I vouch for them. Mm -hmm. So for us, we haven't experienced it as much just because of our position. Lots of other people will experience it because there are people who know they can say things to them or behave a certain way with no consequence. And Hmm. those people may not have the support and the backing that we have, but we've definitely heard of experiences when someone has made a comment or behave negatively to someone because of their race. And that is something that happens both ways. It is something, like I said, our first negative experience was with a black woman who says something negative to Nisha about being with me. Mm -hmm. Once again, down the road, we actually became friends. In fact, anytime we see her to this day, she gives my wife a big hug. She's happy. She says hi to me. But I can imagine if that happened to us, I can't imagine how much it happens to other people in both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, I definitely think it exists. It definitely does. What's also interesting is, you know, as we're having these more open conversations with people who never, ever normally talk about racism, you know, now it's in the news. Oh my God, it's like the hot topic uh, until someone forgets about it because something else is trending. But Mm -hmm. that's an important topic to talk about and to really acknowledge that it's there and, you know, to to really learn. And like you said, you know, uh, change is possible. 
right? Uh, people can change, people can be educated, people can learn. Unfortunately, you know, within the lifestyle, I've been hearing a lot of politics don't belong here, right? So they're comparing racism to politics. And, you know, yes, it's politicized because, you know, our leaders, um, or rather your leaders, because you're American, and mine as well, I hear a lot of the swingers lifestyle is not the right place to talk about politics. And I disagree because I think, you know, when you're talking about racism, it's a human issue, right? So it's political, mm -hmm. it's economic. It, there are a lot of different aspects to it. It's in everything, everything Absolutely. that we do, whether we realize it or not, all of us are exposed to mm -hmm. those kinds of themes. And they're just perpetuated by the media continuously showing us these stereotypical images of black people. Because we are continuously reminded of that, it's very hard for like change to happen for white folks to realize, yeah, there's, there's there's a fucking problem with this. Seeing that everywhere, it's not just political. It is, like I said, it's a human issue. Mm -hmm. How would, that's my answer when I'm talking to people about, yeah, you know, uh, just because the swingers lifestyle is about, you know, sexuality and connection. It's also about people. It's not politics. It's that's, mm -hmm. again, the person Absolutely. to person aspect. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that, you know, it's a platform. Any platform, you know, should mention something that would be considered, you know, injustice to humanity. In my opinion, people who say, okay, well, this is political and we shouldn't talk about it here. Oftentimes that will come from people who it does not directly affect. Mm -hmm. um, let's say that person had a child that was kidnapped. Okay. And that's something that's close to their heart. There's no platform that they wouldn't want that topic raised in. No platform. Mm -hmm because that's something that, that that's close to their heart, something they've experienced. So it's easy to dismiss something and say, this isn't the place for it. It's a human issue. Now you can choose to make it political. You can approach it from a political standpoint. You can approach it from a social economic standpoint, or you can just say as a human being, another group of human beings that don't necessarily relate to me have said that they're having an issue. And although it doesn't affect me, how does it hurt me to support that group of human beings? Why is it inconvenient? And that's just because it's easy to disassociate from it because it doesn't concern you and it doesn't affect you. And I can say as a younger man growing up in most societies and most cultures, two men being together is taboo. We grew up thinking that that was wrong and that gay people were gay men. Let me say gay men, mostly. Mm -hmm. Gay men were the devil. Now, I've never in my life gay bashed a person to his face. Mm -hmm. I've never in my life attacked a gay person. I've never been mean to a gay person. But growing up, when I saw a gay pride march, I turned the channel. In my mind, that shit doesn't affect me. Man, they're this inconvenient. I wanted to go downtown. These fuckers are downtown fucking up traffic. That was my take on it because society taught me that that's what it was. Now, of course, once I got older and my wife taught me years ago that you're biased against gay people. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Mm. Of course, <laughs> my first argument was, oh, I got a gay friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Of course, I look back on it. And, you know, it's me being honest. And, and I'm honest enough to say that there was a time when I had a bias against gay men. And of course, that was based upon how I was raised and how they were shown to us in the media. And even though I was never mean to them, their issues weren't my issues. Mm -hmm. It took my wife to help me understand that they're human. And how does it hurt you to support them having the freedom to marry one another? Oh, well, 
you get the people who are super religious. Well, the Bible says that that's wrong. If you're a Bible reader, you are absolutely correct. But what's the difference between them and you cheating on your wife? Hmm. Or you cheating on your taxes? What's hmm. the difference? Or even better, if you're actual a true student of the Bible, the most important point in the Bible is free will. The Bible makes it very clear that you have free will. So even that being said, there is no excuse in the Bible for me to hate a gay person. Because if you are a Bible reader, hate is one of the biggest sins that you can commit. Hmm. So therefore, all of these things help me to realize that I understand what the people who go, who says, well, this isn't a place for that discussion because it doesn't affect them. They don't relate to it. But once again, had one of their children had been kidnapped and you talked about ways to keep that from happening, they'd be all for it. That's how humans work. That's just how we work. So do I think it's a place for it? Absolutely. Making it aware. Outside the lifestyle, I've experienced I personally have had many issues with the topic that's up for discussion, which would be police officers. Mm -hmm. Like I told you before, I personally will never say all police officers are bad because the second I say all police officers are bad, then it's fair for you to say, well, all black people are bad. Can't say that. Mm -hmm. I also can't say all police officers are bad because I have lots of friends who are police officers. I've been pulled over with one or two many in my system in the middle of the night by a white officer who said, okay, what I'm gonna have you do is pull over and call somebody to pick you up and come get your car in the morning. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now, I also can tell you that I was pulled over 15 times in 12 months in Pennsylvania in a small rural town of Pennsylvania and didn't get one ticket. I finally spoke to an officer. Why do I keep getting pulled over? Why is that I've been pulled over more than anyone I know combined? Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, just to be honest with you, you're in a, you're in a coal miners region in Pennsylvania. You're the only black guy here. You've got a nice car. You're going to get pulled over. The most honest thing a cop's ever said to me. Very frustrating, but it exists. So acknowledging that things like this exist is where it starts at. People yell, oh, it's one political party versus another political party. But at the end of the day, the government doesn't have the power. The people have the power. And if the people as a whole says, okay, okay, I get it. I don't suffer from racism. But these people say they do. These people saying they're being treated unfairly by the cops. So let's just all say it's happening. How do we fix it? Mm -hmm. That's an option people can go with. But once again, it comes down to people not relating. It's, it's not relating. And I, and I see it all day, every day on Facebook where you have people say things like, well, all lives matter. Once again, it's they don't relate to it. Doesn't relate to you. You don't feel it. Mm -hmm. Relate to it because I've experienced it in four different states multiple times so i know it exists and for me personally i do believe that any platform is something that should be mentioned and in every platform it's not something to attack police officers it's not something to attack white people for having privilege but it's just something to say this particular group of people are dealing with something that everyone's not dealing with. And yes, there are bad people who are going to get arrested, but that doesn't mean because, you know, online you constantly see people showing the worst black people in society that you can find. Oh, well, this guy, this black guy beat up an old lady. Well, that black guy is a scumbag. <laughs> we don't need you. He, he doesn't represent me. No. <laughs> I don't beat up old ladies. And that doesn't mean that I should be harassed by cops or I should be afraid of cops. You know, 
that's not an excuse for it. And also for the cops out there who are doing their jobs, keep doing what you're doing. And people, I know they're going to be down on you. I know they're going to give you a hard time. But the only way it can end is by the good cops standing up and continuing to be the good cops. And unfortunately, just like Black people, just like I personally take the heat for all the bad Black people out there when you first see me, unfortunately, some good cops are going to be looked at negatively for the bad cops that are out there. And for people to go, oh, well, it's such a small percentage of bad cops out there. Why are you complaining? Even if there are a small percentage of white police officers who are treating black people unfairly, they keep saying, oh, well, such a small percentage. Here's another great analogy. With all the protests in the country, there are millions of protesters. There are thousands of rioters. That's a very small percentage Mm -hmm. of the overall protesters. Look at the amount of damage that they've caused. So when you speak of something just being a small percentage, so get over it, why are you complaining about the rioters who are destroying things? Mm -hmm. They don't represent the mass of the protesters. It's the same thing. You can't ask a person to get over the small percentage of cops who are being unjust because it has a large effect. Those are my, that's my viewpoint on the situation. It's amazing how people continue to, to group people together based on the actions of a handful of people. Mm-hmm. And what you had mentioned before, as far as, you know, people not acknowledging that there is an issue and, you know, that acknowledging that there is a problem. There's enough people saying, hey, this is a fucking problem. Wherever we go, you know, the lifestyle is a microcosm of society, right? So it is, it still has people from all walks of life in there. And, you know, it's, so it's going to be an issue in a lifestyle, just as it is in politics, just as it is in, you know, your social groups. I'm sure we all have friends (laughs) who have said and done stupid shit and it's unfortunate. And now we're in that time where we're trying to educate ourselves, to acknowledge that there is an issue, to see what we can do in order to, I guess, deprogram ourselves from the bullshit that we've been fed by the media and by society for all these years. People can, you know, educate themselves, people who have a willingness to change, who understand that there's a problem and are, you know, willing to understand what it is that, you know, got us this way and to try to unravel that and to kind of start over and in our learning process. It's not an overnight change. It's lifelong work. People are looking for resources. Please don't ask your black friends for resources. Uh, Come to my website, LexiSilver.com. I have a running list of some awesome resources uh, by black folks and white folks, uh, anti-racist training, you know, just articles that give a different perspective than what you're seeing in the news. And if you're just watching Fox, you're not going to get the whole picture, okay? (laughs) So don't watch Fox News. (laughs) That's my but you know, you. <laughs> but you know what I tell my friends? If you're just watching Fox or just watching CNN, you're not going to get the whole, the whole picture. Most people go to news outlets to just have their opinion validated. Validated. That that's not the way it really works. Yeah. Because you know, no one wants to really hear something opposing. And you know, you touched on you know the topic of white privilege. Like I I, I say this all the time. Like. I can't be mad at someone having white privilege. It's fine. It is what it is. You, you're not the one, you know, it's not all white people who are saying, oh, well, we want to hold this privilege. As a man, I have male privilege. Yeah. As a male, I can walk down the street and I'm not concerned with being raped. Not saying that men don't get raped, but statistically yes. speaking, that's not a thing. As a male in the workplace, I'm going to be paid more for doing the same job than a black or a white woman. 
that's part of my male privilege. I'm not going to apologize for being a male because I'm not, I don't rape women. So because other people rape women, I'm not going to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a dude. I'm so sorry. I got a penis. No, but as a male, since I do have the privilege of being a male, it's part of my responsibility to make sure that I am not part of the, the group of people who's like, uh, eh, so some women get raped. It's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, yeah, I see she got raped, but she was a prostitute. Yeah. I, I can't have that mentality. So having male privilege, I also have to make sure that I treat women as equals, not as lessers. I have to make sure that I can respect women's issues. I don't know what it's like to have a period. That doesn't mean, that means as a male, I can't say it's not that big of a deal. It's just like having gas. I can't tell you what your experience is like. Mm -hmm because I have never experienced it. I've never come close to the experience. And for me to go, oh, well, she says she's having some stomach cramps. I mean, I ate a chili dog yesterday. I'm way off. So it's the same thing when it comes to black versus white. If you are white and you do have that privilege, there are certain things that you will never have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Or statistically speaking, you won't have to deal with. Yes, white people do get harassed by the cops. White people do get shot by the cops. But just like when you think of rape, the first visual thought you have is a woman being violated by a man. That doesn't mean women don't violate men. That doesn't mean that men don't violate men. But word association, rape, mm -hmm. the woman being violated by male. Police brutality, word association, black man being violated by white police officer. Black police officers violate black people. And they, but we're talking about on the mass scale. So that being said, having a privilege, the privilege to drive your car and not worry about being harassed because of the color of your skin, being able to be in a park and not have some random person come up and go, hey, you can't possibly live here. Mm -hmm. like, our very first house party, somebody came in who we didn't know, someone else invited them, and they found out we were the host and they said, oh no, they definitely can't afford this house. That's the thing that you know we deal with that what is there about me that makes you look at my home and say i can't afford it besides the color of my skin because had you been to someone else's house you that person didn't know what i do for a living they don't know what my wife does for a living you we don't even know you so it's so ingrained in our society that people don't even realize that's why they, they probably didn't even realize that was why they made that assumption that we couldn't afford the home we live in. So the stronger as a man, if I want to help fix the problem of women being raped or abused or their issues being taken lightly, have to start with myself because I am the one who will be considered the oppressor of women because I carry the penis. <laughs> and it's usually men who are the oppressor of females. And on the opposite side of that, when you're looking at the fact that in our country, our country is only 13 to 15% black, which means we are truly a minority. So 13% of the country doesn't have enough power and a strong enough voice to change. So that means that the higher majority are the ones who have the power to make the change. So therefore, if the change is gonna come, that 87 to 85% has to be what tips the scales when it comes to racism. And it first starts out by saying, yes, I mean, our culture has conditioned us 
to think this way, but we have the power to do something different. We absolutely do. Wow. I just, I mean, feel like I, I just like want to give you a standing ovation for what you just said, because it's just so spot on. Um, but we do have that power. It's, you know, we have to acknowledge that there is a problem and we have to be able to be willing to, to do something about it. I think that's another thing, um, you know, people unwilling to be, uh, you know, made uncomfortable or to think about things that, you know, they think don't concern them. Um, it concerns all of us. It's a human issue, but it's going to take time. Uh, we have to start somewhere and that somewhere is, you know, what you said, like acknowledging that there's an issue and listening to the people who are saying, hey, this is an issue. When you look at just the difference and the culture in our country, you have one group of people that says, I don't want to lose any of my rights. And then you have the other group of people who are constantly saying they want equal rights. It's totally different. Mm -hmm. That's two different things. It's, it's you saying, I don't want you to take my food that I'm eating while someone else is saying, hey, I want the bowl. I want my bowl of food that I'm not eating yet. There's two different things. And so I think what winds up happening is what, what, needs to, what, what should happen is instead of me trying to take from you, I just want what I'm supposed to have. What you deserve. And unfortunately, if you have your bowl and you have my bowl sitting next to you, you may not be keeping my bowl from me, but you know I can't reach it. I need you to slide it over. <laughs> I need your help to get my bowl. You know, and I think for me, because, you know, I like to go on tangents. The one thing I will say to everyone out there, it is not necessary to constantly bombard the Internet and everyone with examples of the worst black people that you can find on the Internet. Because I think a lot of people get very defensive and go, oh, well, we look at you like this because of this guy. Hmm. And I know on my personal Facebook feed, I have friends who, was pu who put things like that out there. And you have two choices. You can either put out the positive or the negative. It, it makes me laugh when I see my white friends who will go through the internet and find the one black person who follows their narrative. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the best thing to do is with people, if they can't relate to it or don't understand it, they can't hear me. That's why I use the analogy of rape all the time. You know, for you to find that one black person to say, oh, well, all the other millions of black people are exaggerating is like me saying, imagine you have a bunch of women who said they are raped and the majority of men saying it doesn't happen and they find the one woman to get on their side and go, oh no, they're exaggerating. You can always find the champion for your cause or you can simply say, as a guy, I'm not worried about getting raped, but since all these women keep saying it's happening, why not just support them? <laughs> I mean, you make it sound so fucking simple and yet it's just, you know, it just goes over people's heads, you know? Um, but thank you for making the comparisons in a way that I think some people really needed to hear. There are a lot of ways to approach any topic and because, you know, talking about racism uh, gets people uh, feeling uncomfortable, uncertain, feeling guilty, feeling upset. Um, in this case, I'm talking about mostly white people. Um, but because of that, there's not as much dialogue or, you know, opportunity to have a conversation like this. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation like this with me. Thank you very much for the invite. I've had a really, really fun time talking to you. And I look forward to doing it again.
Me too. Me too. On air and off air, both. Both. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you tell us how people can reach you and also Mrs. Mocha after this? Uh, so um, to reach us, um, you can always contact us through uh, SDC. Um, our profile is Faces, just like our podcast. Um, you can hear our podcast on um, Apple, as well as uh, Google and Anchor. And just like sexy Lexi here, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we enjoy having people uh, send us messages, questions. Um, and if you have a fun story to tell, we'd love to have you on uh, the podcast as well. So that's it for this week's episode, my lectual friends. Thank you all for listening today. Don't forget you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek, discover, and connect at sdc.com. Use my promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC and try it out for yourself. Tune in live on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Variety Channel for my next show. And you can always get my podcast episodes on demand whenever you want them on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. Oh, and SDC, of course. Thanks for joining me, Lexi Silver, on Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Bye. We appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality. 